alone, as they did so often. The peas are overcooked. His wife ventured once. <laughs> no matter. There's no laughing. He no. said. So is the mutton. It was a jest, but Sansa took it for criticism. I'm sorry, my lord. Why? Some cook should be sorry, not you. The peas are your pro- uh, <laughs> That does not sound like Tyrion. The, what, what should be my Tyrion voice? How does it how do, do this? You wanted to be Tyrion. Yeah, I man. did want to be Tyrion, but I haven't developed... I don't know what his voice is going to be. It's been so long since we did this, guys. Why? No, no. <laughs> Never mind. Why? Some cook should be sorry, not you. The peas are not your province, Sansa. I, I'm sorry that my lord husband is displeased. Any displeasure I'm feeling has not to do with peas. I have Joffrey and my sister to displease me, and my lord father, and 300 bloody Dornishmen. And with that, friends, Game of Thrones returns to the on-season. On-season. We're glad that you're with us. Thank you. con saison. All saison. It felt good. It did. A little bit of reading to start things off. Really good, actually. It's been too long. We had a long conversation before we started who would uh, take who, and eventually uh, resigned to the roles that we did, and I think that the choice of Micah reading Sansa was one of the best decisions we've made in the history of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you yes. again, and welcome. Does that mean I'm going to be reading Sansa yes, somewhere in the future? Yes, and every female character in the future. Um, I might switch to narrator, though. I didn't like my Tyrion as much, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. You know, it's a little rusty. It's been a little while, mm. but... I was mega excited to be getting into these chapters and reading them, getting back into the world of the books after coming off of what a spectacular season five we just had, um, coming off of that excitement. It, 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 it feels right, too, to be getting back to this. This is... Why? It feels like coming back home. I don't know. <laughs> as, 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 as right <laughs> as you are to ask a follow-up question to my broad general statement that was rhetorical, um, I, I have to answer. It, it seems just as right that we left off where we did when we did. Um, you know, these chapters that we're reading today of Tyrion and Davos contain really just the next steps of, of the plot. We ended right with the wed- Red Wedding, which is you know, more or less where... Uh, season three was broken and it just feels like a lot of this stuff is informing what's left of the book that we're having to read so storm of swords is not nearly finished yet it's still got at least a third of the book left page wise and so many plots so many things that are basically getting energized in these chapters i love how this has all worked out it has worked out well because let me just remind you of where we left off last season Okay, it, it, this is in a slightly different tone than uh, the previous reading I just did. She ran faster than she had ever run before, her head down and her feet churning up the river. She ran from him as Micah must have run. His axe took her in the back of the head. Yeah, right. And that's where we left off uh, from reading. A very cheery end to our on season. Arya, who knows what her fate may be. Those of you who have watched the television show know, uh, as do we. But for book readers, obviously a major cliffhanger, uh, not knowing uh, if she were to be uh, later on in this series. And uh, now here we are, as mentioned, with Tyrion. Because what better to follow an ending of a chapter like that than to jump right into a character like Tyrion and, of course, Davos. So, And and I, I mentioned this when we made... Our, our post on Facebook and Twitter um, earlier that 
I don't think there are two better characters, two more beloved characters, actually, to start off um, our rereading um, of of this book than Tyrion and Davos. It feels like coming home. It's cool, though, because we, we, we had just properly ended season five in the last episode of our show. And it felt it definitely felt different today preparing for the time where we meet and record this podcast that it it's just different you know i feel like there was a glaze not a a negative connotation but just a glaze before going into the episodes that are recorded specifically alongside the tv show because it's so mm. so topically current it's so targeted in the moment but this is this is back to what we what we do for the large part of the year and it, it's cool to come back in such an interesting place and flowing in almost a, a natural stream where the story left off in the television show and how it sort of left off with us and it's picking up in such a cool spot so i don't know i'm i'm, I'm very pleased and i hope that all of you listening are just as pleased as we are to to mm-hmm. do this it felt it felt like you said uh, eric sort of like coming home a little bit <laughs> Reading a few a, chapters. A weird, a weird homecoming, though. A weird, a weird I, I, I homecoming. would say only because when I was reading through these chapters, I was just thinking in the back of my mind how different places these characters are in right yes. now. Yeah, right. Especially reading through, knowing that some of them are no longer alive. Yeah. But Tyrion, geographically speaking, is you know on on the other side of the world, and then of course you have Davos, who's in Dragonstone, who's opening a letter that. Is going to take him to where we just yeah. last left him at the end of season five. Reminiscing about Maester Crescent. <laughs> Back to a point at the beginning of a clash of kings, right? So yeah. it's just yeah, it's amazing to me that uh, we're, we're kind of going that far back in time. And I'm looking forward definitely to going through the rest of this book and and getting all of your reactions to things that maybe didn't make it into the TV show to see you know, how characters now go along their story arcs that may differ from what we know. It's good that you mentioned that, Micah, because as I was reading too, I was picking out a lot of, obviously there are certain moments that do make it into the show, but there's a lot of backstory uh, in, in both chapters. There's a lot of character motivations that are laid bare and revealed that were not in the show. And it, it does make the books as always a more exciting place or equally exciting for different reasons than the show because you do get a lot more depth, a lot more insight uh, in, into the world. And the Davos chapter in particular, I was thinking that, you know, as you mentioned, the wall, the letter from the wall informs where they are or where they go, you know, where they are currently in the show. And I'm thinking that that's exactly right, that this this is sort of the beginning of that arc. So it, it feels right, even though there's still two books to go after Storm of Swords, it feels like we're at the perfect moment perfect spot in the books to be picking up after season five ended so here we are i know we're glad that everyone is very excited to be back inside of the books as well this is good Mm -hmm. we regret to inform you that there are only going to be two more consecutive episodes of this read through of the on ever, ever. (laughs) quite (laughs) afraid because in only a week and we talked about this uh last week so 
Uh, yes. Please don't act too surprised if you're sitting at home no. trying not to uh, spit the things that you're drinking. Mm-hmm. We'll be together finally in a week. Mm-hmm. We'll be in Orlando, Florida for GeekyCon. GeekyCon. Thanks for that contribution, Eric. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. <laughs> a couple of notes uh, on our live show in Orlando mm. coming up in just a week. Um, I may or may not have said last week that our show was going to be on Saturday. I did say that. You did. I'll I'll own up to it. (laughs) Uh, But it is, in fact, now going to be on Friday, July the 31st. Good day. At 2 p.m. on the main stage. So we still have our street cred. Mm -hmm. But there is another change to announce about our panel. (laughs) Yeah, we are going to be joined by a very, very cool guest, probably best known to us and to all of our listeners as the inventor of the Dothraki language, Mr. David J. Peterson. Ooh. Very exciting. Valyrian Dothraki. So, Eric, you're going to have to learn Dothraki in about a week. Oh, why? And be why? able to I'm speak it to him. him. Half of our live show will be in a, a different language. We're going to learn beforehand. <laughs> Let that not scare any of you away who are planning on joining us in Orlando at GeekyCon next week. It's going to be a, a complete blast, and we're super excited to add David J. Peterson to our festivities uh, now on Friday. It's going to be cool. And before Friday, or before before the, the live show on the main stage at 2 p.m., there's going to be, an uh, I want to say, an incredible session. Uh, we're very, very excited. I think be, it'll be incredible. To be presenting uh, as part of the, the Geeky U educational track, Westeros 101, which will be a, a course, not for technically any of you listening, because you're all Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire experts. That's true. But this is for the, the folks at the convention that are brand new and want to learn some about uh, this fandom and the story in the community. It's going to be a, a really fun refresher course. I think uh, we just decided we're going to get up there and tell them to just listen to our 300 episodes and they'll be all set, right? <laughs> we're just going to play 300 episodes throughout the weekend. You know, we it. get our own station. We're also going to be playing episodes of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, I think the best way that we can brush up for Westeros 101 is to dive into these chapters yeah. that we read for this week, I think you know we'll get the get the creative juices flowing, turn the brain on. Perfect timing. Talk some Tyrion first. Yeah, so so many more people are are alive now. Back where we're reading, it was spectacular to experience Joffrey Baratheon again uh, in his true form, uh, yes. and especially the the cheek he threw in Tywin's direction. I mean, it starts off in a way that you would not expect. It's just kind of I don't want to say melodramatic. It's just this sad kind of uneventful dinner with Sansa where he says something that upsets her. She says something that upsets him. And it kind of just ends with her going off to the godswood to pray again. Yeah. She's very pious lately. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously she has her reasons Mm -hmm. uh, as we've, we've read. Uh, She's uh, looking to uh, plan plot her escape. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I think that Tyrion would be wise to uh, follow along one time. I know he says that she probably wouldn't want him there, but... It's it's really the perfect cover. This is a Sansa that is still, to some extent, very apt at um, reciting, you know, telling people what they want to hear. He completely believes her that she's going off and praying when, in fact, she's, you know, we know she's hoping for rescue, this, that, the other thing. And, and he puts himself in her shoes and it's like, you know what? I, too, would probably want some help from the gods if I were in her position. Um, so he totally believes in the cover, and it's completely a cover, and she goes off. I mean, he, he actually offers, because he's a good husband, 
offers to go with her. And she's, oh, no, 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 you'd be you'd be bored. These two chapters do a great job of bringing back into the fold religion. And I know that we've talked about it so many times on the show mm-hmm. throughout the almost 300 episodes that we've done. But just the fact that here you're learning about how Sansa is still in some ways still dedicated to her gods and to what she's grown up with. And then we see a bit of that in the next chapter. Um, there's even there that one moment with Davos when he is, you know, going through his mind, the Queen's men versus the King's men and which mm-hmm. allegiances they have to which religions. Yeah. So uh, it, it was just interesting to me that this was still at the forefront of the discussion. Uh, and then also something that really jumped out at me that maybe I didn't even realize the first time I was reading through uh, this this book was the the tension that exists uh, between the Martells and the Tyrells, and and that is stressed even in in the first paragraph of this yeah. chapter, as Tyrion is going through all of his problems and the great quote from the Queen of Thorns about Alaria Sand. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that a great quote? The is, serpent's is, whore. But you can just see maybe it's just Diana Rigg and the way that she plays the role, but you can just see her referring to somebody like Alaria, uh, mm. with, with that type of a nickname. And you can't help but feel a little bit sorry for Tyrion uh, referring to the Queen of Thorns, someone I'm sure he's going to eventually get to know, uh, or at least get to learn to respect very, very soon, referring to her as Mace Tyrell's wizened little mother. It's just interesting being at this you know, part of the story and feeling the, the feelings that are here now. After such a long break from diving into the books and the sort of discussion that we do here on this podcast. What a, just a slap in the face, the amount of uh, detail and world building that we get inside of each and every chapter. Obviously we didn't forget, but it's really nice to read it all together and then to come Mm -hmm. back here and have a pretty hard discussion of that because we definitely put a a different hat on. It's less casual. It's definitely more analytical uh, when it comes Mm -hmm. to a point for discussion. Yeah. I mean, they made an entire season out of just what's left of this book. So I mean, I know certain character lines were extended or, or pulled early or whatever, but I, I, I think that it's it's clear that so much is, is about to happen. I mean, like Tyrion is still where we left him in the show. Obviously, he's he's over east, but he had that whole bit of being basically disgraced from his family. His father puts him on trial and is, has him nearly killed. All this stuff is yet to happen. And Tyrion now is still doing his what, what he's bid. He's still... Master of Coin in this chapter, he opens up the books. As soon as Sansa leaves, he opens the books and starts to try and figure out where some of the money went that Baelish has been spending. And it, he's trying to follow, trying to make sense. The whole thing with the Dornishmen, he placed them at like the opposite end of the Red Keep from from the Tyrells in, in the hopes that that would decrease the uh, tension and the, the number of incidents that occurs between them. And he's still very loyal to his family. He's still very loyal to the crown. And it's, it's so interesting to see him in this position because of the journey that he's got ahead of him. It's kind of a, a throwback to Tyrion as we knew him as Hand of the King. Yeah. Right. It, seeing just the way his mind works, the mechanics of it all. And it's definitely something that you notice about him in terms of his ability to lead and just the fact that you just mentioned how he separates the Martells and the Tyrells, but then also going through the finances, uh, which is now his responsibility. And then he gets a, a little bit of a knock on the door and he's able to go away. And it's mentioned that I don't think he was 
ever happier to see Sir Boris Blunt. And <laughs> off he goes to uh, the Tower of the Hand to meet with uh, Tywin, and and we all know what happens um, in this conversation. It was it was very well replicated, I think, in the television show. Tyrion knows immediately that something's up because it's Cersei, Sir Kevin, uh, Grand Maester Pycelle. They're gathered around Lord Tywin, and then Joffrey's in there basically dancing slash bouncing off of the walls. And uh, he walk he walks in, and he's like, hey, what's going on? Uh, everyone looks really happy, but you're not smiling. I guess that's not too strange. And then uh, Tywin essentially just hands him. It's like when you want to show someone something funny, and it's so funny you don't read it to them or explain the picture. You just hand them the phone. Because it would diminish the special exactly. of it. So he just hands him the roll of parchment. Rosalind caught a fine, fat trout. The message read... Her brothers gave her a pair of wolf pelts for her wedding. What fine, fine gifts. Coming to terms with the deaths of Rob and Catelyn, obviously there are people in this world who are happy to see them go, as evidenced by everybody in this room, save for Tyrion. But this is a huge, not advantage, it's it's, it's basically a huge event that, that has happened because... It, it paves the way for basically to ask the question, what's next? And in this chapter, what I like about this is through the conversation with Tywin, we're finding out exactly what next looks like. There's an entire plan which is laid out that has everything to do with the sort of remaining loyal Stark men, God, if there are any, um, to basically what the future of Tyrion's own kin will be or you know child will be given the north yeah. all of this kind yeah. of future plan but none of that would have mattered if it weren't for the success of of this mission which um basically tywin calls he says the price was cheap by any measure i mean he's he's you're talking about making alliances which i just remember in the show how we showed him like writing letters you know before it happened and sending them off to the by raven and having it just work out to where he gets the phrase to do his bidding and it's it's basically like he, he doesn't have blood on his hands, and that's talked about. Tyrion says, oh, yeah, the blood's not even on your hands. It's 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 on Walder Frey. How crazy is that, that the Lannisters were able to succeed so uh, greatly? There's not a lot of mystery here. Like you said, the, a lot of the plan is, is laid out very, very clearly by Tywin. And, and Tyrion's obviously just a little bit bothered that he wasn't told of this grand masterpiece beforehand. And I thought mm. Tywin's explanation, the fact that, first off, Tyrion didn't need to know that it was happening, and he's not going to, A, satiate his curiosity for the sake of it, and he's not going to, B, tell Cersei so she'll feel important. You know, like, he's he's going to that was really good. carry this out properly, and carry it out, he did. It was It was cheap, and like you said, it is very different going from the chapters that we had before. If you guys remember the the doom and the just the heavy sadness and the way it made us feel, those haunting paragraphs heading towards where the red wedding took place, where God, the crossbow for two months bolts were 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 fired, and now yeah. we go here where where King Joffrey is elated. He's he, the the quote is he's dead. Joffrey sounded so proud and happy. You might have thought he'd skinned Rob Stark himself. It is it is very different. Balon Greyjoy has fallen to his death. Mm-hmm. King Rob has now been been murdered mm-hmm. at, at the hands of the Freys, and everything seems to be working out quite 
well for them, well enough, like mm-hmm. I said, for for Tywin to be laying out these these plans. He seems to have everything pretty well thought out, but I think he's also a man who knows that things can change very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he had contingency plans in place, but for all intents and purposes, this was the best plan, as, as was mentioned already, limited casualties, and it gets them the end result that they want. Uh, and I also think in this chapter, we got an answer to a question, Eric, I think you asked back during the on season, uh, which was what was the fate of Edmure Tully? Yes. And, and we know that he is, in fact, a hostage and that they're going to try and use him to their advantage against uh, the Blackfish, who, uh, even though he goes to the twins in the uh, television show, stays back uh at River Run mm-hmm. uh, in, in the books. They want, uh, from my understanding, reading this chapter, they, they want River Run to be yielded so that a fray can take, take the place there. And it's so interesting, in addition to Edmure's captivity, was what Tywin tells Tyrion that Catelyn too was sort of meant to be a hostage. I mean, was meant to be taken and held alive. And we know that that's not how it happened. We know that Catelyn was too bold uh, to to be left alive with with the events, you know, following Rob's assassination. And uh, just just knowing though that that it kind of is like uh, words fail, but it's it's kind of like um, just seeing her stick it to them one last time. Of right. oh hey, you didn't get quite everything you wanted for uh, Tywin. But it, it worked out well enough that they can all be around celebrating this. But but Tywin, as you were saying, Micah, knows that things can change. And just knowing that the plan was altered or the outcome was altered ever so slightly by Catelyn dying, um, you know, is, is, is a good example of the fact that things change. Change, things do. And my mind was 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 not shaken, but certainly interested as I read along this chapter and experienced a much different Tywin Lannister than the one that I've gotten to know. This Tywin Lannister was offering Cersei the parenting tips in relation to Joffrey. You know, <laughs> like he he was he was bothered yeah. by not only what Joffrey was doing, but he was bothered by the fact that Joffrey was part of his blood. Uh, most of his blood, and was acting this way. He was bothered by it. He was like, "Hold All on, of his blood, <laughs> yeah. All of his blood." He's yeah, like, Wait it's a hundred percent. I don't care that he's my boss. I just want to know why why he's acting this way. Like his father should have punished him. And then and then we move on. Let's be honest here. He and Tyrion they were hanging out pretty well. You know, they had a pretty yes. they had a decent conversation. I felt like yes. there was a lot of respect going in both directions. He says to him, "You have a certain cunning, Tyrion." But the plain truth is you talk too much. That loose tongue of yours will be on your, your undoing. It's a warning. It's a good warning. It's like, hey, you're pretty smart, but careful who you tell stuff to. You know, like you still trust too easily. And this is, again, going back to why Tywin yeah. only trusted the, the necessary people. But it's a, it's a, tactics are discussed. Family history is discussed. This is, as you said exactly, Zach, they're hanging out pretty well. It's a Tywin that has remorse for how things were carried out under his command. I know that so much of what Oberyn Martell is asking of Tyrion, uh, which is every time he sees him, essentially, uh, yeah. I'd like to see some justice for my sister hey, for, and for her children. Justice. That was a terrible. We hear an explanation of why 
it was carried out in the way that it was carried out. This is something that we haven't gotten an answer for. The fact that Tywin knew that he had to essentially show his loyalty so strongly and such a vast amount of with with no uncertainty to Robert Baratheon after all the things that have happened, after the ships had fallen during the rebellion in the way that they had, after the Lannisters had essentially been loyal to a certain degree, they had to basically tell the show them that any fealty to the Targaryens was completely gone. And so, so cool. that in addition to what we were just speaking of, the Red Wedding, how, okay, well, I knew that this had to be done, but uh, the phrase did it. It's not necessarily on my hands. It's just, it's it's such a less, all in all, brutal Tywin Lannister than we got in the television show. It's a much less of a caricature of himself, and it does nothing but paint a, just a, a strange look at what's going to eventually happen. I just have a feeling that we're going to see, uh, obviously, a Tywin that becomes much more dangerous and malicious toward a character that we love in Tyrion um, as he puts him on trial for something that we know that he did not do. There was going to be a change. Like, he can't be the, this same level of Tywin in this chapter and then get shot by Tyrion with a crossbow bolt. You know what yeah, I mean? You know what? You're 100% right there. It's going to be very interesting seeing how that turns around. Exactly. So it was It was cool. All in all, I, I thought it was just a, a really fun chapter to, to feel this version of Tywin Lannister to hear him say so much to get so much information from him. It's, it's so much more than we've, we've gotten from him so far in the books even. And I think it has a lot to do with the type of news that we've just gotten. I think it has a lot to do with the mood that he's been put in uh, and, and the scale of this victory that has, that has taken place. It's just an interesting time to be in the room with this guy. Yeah. And, and he is just one of the best when it comes toward planning and, just being this amazing tactician in terms of how he's able to execute. And I think that sitting there listening to him tell the story of what happened to Elia and what happened to her two children was almost very reminiscent of what he was saying earlier in the chapter about Catalan. right? That Elia didn't have to die. She, mm. she, she, it was almost as if, he was saying the ones that needed to be killed in this case were were the ones who could rightfully lay claim. And it was the same thing with Rob. Rob had to die. Catalin, not so much. Right. You know, Elia's two children had to die. Her, not so much. Uh, but knowing that he's now been responsible for two very similar situations, and you know, it's, it's one of those questions where, okay, you weren't directly involved, but you gave the order. You know, you, yeah. you allowed this to happen in two different time periods, but very, very similar set of circumstances. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it, it was the mountain who was doing the killing for you and, and Amory Lorch who was doing the killing for you um, back in the day. Um, you know, now you had Bruce Bolton and, and Walder Frey and, and, and his family, but you know, you're, you're not the best of people here. And, and I don't know that we're always meant to believe that they are the best of people, but you, you have to think that in some way this is all going to come back to him because, you know, when, when you, I, I liken it to like when you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And I think that's what he's doing here. Yeah. His hands definitely aren't clean, no matter how, how much we exactly feel that he's one of the more, more sympathetic characters. You know, he's just, he, he's appealing to us so much in this chapter an interesting amount, like I said before, and just knowing that he eventually transforms into something that's 
serious enough for Tyrion to take such a harsh amount of retribution. It's it's going to be cool to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and thinking about the down, downfall of the Lannisters that we saw during this season, um, you know, is it through the actions of the Red Wedding? Tyrion himself mentions, um, so much for guest right is a direct quote from the books. Like, you know, is it a curse? Is it sort of magic beyond magic that dooms? Are the Lannisters doomed? And, and is it because of these actions that have, you know, this basically this plot that has killed the Lann- uh that has killed Catelyn and, and, and Rob? Does it doom the whole family to fall apart? Because right now it looks like the opposite. It looks like it's right. basically ensured the Lannisters stay on top for the duration of the generation or two. Well, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Tywin, for for all of his good parts and the way that he is a tactician and the way that he's been able to carry these things out, like, for example, his plan with Robert uh, has put him into a position that he's eventually become a guy who can sit beside the king and tell the king to go to bed and tell the king to take some dream wine. You know what I'm saying? Like, so th- this is yeah. falling action from plans that he made ages ago. Mm-hmm. So clearly, clearly he's making the right decisions. But but where he falters, uh, unfortunately, you know, with his with the level of of action that he takes, you're going to have a similar level of, of reaction. And so that all kind of caught up with him after the years of mistreating his kid enough to to murder him and the murder of Tywin. Unfortunately, so much of the victory of his family rested on his shoulders that once he was gone, everything spiraled out of control. So those seeds that we eventually see sowed are being planted now. Mm -hmm. And here, and here's really where you get the, the first insight into what happened. What, you know, the whole reasoning behind Oberyn saying, tell your father I'm here. Mm. You know, it, it is, it's sickening to read that you had Sir Amory Lorch, who, at least if I'm reading this correctly, raped and murdered uh, a young Rhaenys, uh, who couldn't have been more than than ten years old. She was right. probably younger than that. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we know the accusations against the Mountain for what he did to Elia. There isn't much mention of Aegon here, uh, in in terms of what happened to him, uh, but. You know, it's just it's it's devastating to read, and and the fact that you know Tywin, who is also a father uh, at this point, would allow something like this uh, to take place, and he kind of plays it off as saying, "Well, you know, with Elia, it it happened because I did not tell him to spare her." Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, is that really going to hold up? Like, is, yeah. is that really fair to say that that's the reasoning behind all of this? I, 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 well, what he does say, too, is that he didn't realize that the mountain was quite as vicious as he was at the time. It was still new. This is way back when. This is not. I mean, now he knows exactly what sort of man Gregor is and sends him to go uh, smoke out the, the brave companions and, and kill them all. He knows exactly what sort of man. Gregor is. I, I, I don't know if I buy that he didn't then, but I'm I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that this is simpler times, right? And they needed the allegiance of, or they needed to declare their allegiance to Robert. And just like he says to Tyrion, it's sort of a perfect situation where Robert didn't want to kill the kids himself. And, and so it's basically like the more brutal Tywin Lannister is more brutal and does what it basically does Robert's bidding for him and therefore is granted the union of being, uh, of basically Cersei marrying him and all that other stuff that takes place is all because this family was murdered because the dynasty of the Targaryens was brought to an end 
by men like Tywin um, and, and Lorch and uh, the Mountain who were bold enough to do it. And perhaps that makes them monsters. And this is a heavy conversation. This is taking place after Kevin's taken Joffrey away. Pycelle's gone. Cersei's been sent away as well because they're <laughs> finished talking about how Robert had a hand in raising their child. You know, this is, uh, just imagine the father and son speaking about circumstances this heavy. And it's heavy enough for Tywin to be like, listen, you don't really think I gave that order to the mountain, right? Yeah. Or, or like had any idea that it was happening at the time. That he, shows he, tremendous like sympathy or like heart. For the man that we've come to know, that's that's definitely true. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's got to be a line that that isn't crossed by people that aren't considered vicious monsters. And uh, he's not crossing it. He's not celebrating it. But then, like, like we've already discussed, it doesn't change that it sort of happened on his watch. So we learn about Amory Lorch. We learn about the mountain. And we also learn that Tywin has plans for the mountain yet and he doesn't want the retribution to be taken out of the mountain we still have Oberyn Martell and his entourage to deal with who are in the capital and Dorne being on their side while all this other stuff in the north is happening is very very important Roose Bolton can only fight the Ironborn for so long so they essentially have to please this guy and this is where Tywin tells Tyrion of the new plan, which is to blame everything on Emery Lorch, who we got to know with Arya's storyline. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's dead. Why yeah, not? He's easy to blame it on the dead guy. <laughs> uh, but it, it, yeah, it's Zach. Just uh, what also struck me too is that uh, this is something that I forgot about how Oberyn w- was willing to rally Dorne in favor of Viserys, and yeah. that. Uh, Prince Duran, who we of course met in this season, mm. uh, is the easier of the of the brothers to kind of talk with and and to rationalize with. He he seems to view Oberyn as being sort of this wild card, and with good reason. Um, who who just doesn't seem to be playing with a full deck. But but I think you know they shouldn't discount Oberyn and and just how smart he is. And I think that he's back here for a a clear reason as we know from from watching the television show but the fact that you know just the sheer mention of his name too not only roberts but his name leads into this whole story um about his sister and and about his niece and his nephew and i i we got far more detail honestly yeah. than than i ever remember um getting a, a, about this night or this day and and obviously it's it's huge significance and it, that it plays in in the altering the course of, of where we are right now in, in terms of reading the story. There's a lot here. And the chapter doesn't go much further than what we've been discussing. But no. again, that just the, the length of our discussion, the depth of it, it just kind of goes to show how much how much has been uh, put in. It's just it's interesting because the specter of Tywin Lannister is, is uh, a completely different beast in the television show. And this chapter alone uh, explains so much. There's, there's so much... A mystery just gone regarding what's going to happen after the Red Wedding. So much of it is explained. Uh, The night with Elia is completely is 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 there's a there's humanity, there's feelings involved, there's explanations of why and how things happen, and that also goes for the Red Wedding and the falling action from that. It's just it's it's really cool to learn so much about this guy and about uh, the decisions that he's been making. And I think the the chapter ends even on. A note that you could relate to that with with Arya and look Tywin knows it's not Arya like he says as much by re- you know comparing it to Renly yeah now 
everything's supposed to be nice and, and, and work out well since uh, Arya is going to go marry Lord Bolton's bastard. And, and Tyrion brings up the fact that, look, man, Varys looked for her for a fucking year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or sorry, half a year. Yeah. Like, if Varys can't find her, she's dead. And then Tywin is like, so is Renly until Blackwater. So he knows and he's playing a game. But isn't this also, is this, can we be on that level or are we to think that the Hound has done something terrible and like gone and turned Arya over to Baelish? Like, could that letter have been sent right after? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I think those events have happened way too quickly and, yeah. and certainly for anybody to have identified Arya. I, I, I think Arya is too valuable still uh, to somebody like the Hound because the Hound is not going to even look to he remember fuck the king. I mean, he's not going to yeah. look to get back into leagues with the Lannisters. Well, and I, I don't think they want to have anything to do with him. The end of the last chapter was though. I mean, oh, it's hugely ambiguous. And it's, it's meant to be that way because you don't know, right. Uh, if she's alive. I mean, if, if you take an ax to the back of the head, chances are, you know, unless you're, you know, walking dead, you're not going to be uh, <laughs> wearing a helmet. Yeah. Or wear your helmet, <laughs> you know, I mean, and I think you're supposed to be left with that, complete sense of obliteration right you've lost rob and catalin and then boom next chapter the hound takes an axe to the back of Arya's head you're like what the f dude george what are you doing man <laughs> like you're just completely fucking with people's emotions and you know you don't know for the for probably another 10 15 chapters is Arya really alive but he's giving us answers now you know mm -hmm. we, we get a chapter like this following that and the same can be said for the next chapter with, with Davos, really. Yeah. Acting so soundly as the hand of the king, being told by Stannis, you're the hand, speak up. Like these are, this is, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't long. Uh, he was, uh, long ago, he was in a very, very dark cell. So I feel like there's definitely a balance, uh, the way the story is flowing, the way that the book is, is being paced. Like we, 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 we felt so sad and so somber and then went through what we went through. But now it's, it doesn't make up for it, but we're certainly getting, more than what we're used to getting, you know? Yeah. I do always like how we read these these chapters and pairings because oftentimes there are very clear similarities that you can point out, like how Tyrion was just sitting ar around a table with what could be considered members of the small council, some were, some weren't, but then here you are, and, and you really, in, in Davos's chapter, you know, as it opens up, you're you're in a very similar kind of situation you could even call it stannis's small council yeah, even though it's table. it's a bit of a of a batshit crazy contingency <laughs> uh with with yeah. melisandre yeah. and Solis, but there's bowing and leg hugging in this and chapter axel <laughs> florent right yeah the yeah, axel florent the rock star uh <laughs> hailing from dragonstone uh if you're an old uh old goo uh listener uh, is here, like Micah said. This is this is Stannis's small council, and this chapter is not devoid of brilliant Stannis teeth grinding, uh, mentions of doing your duty, uh, mm. random shouts for a word of light. <laughs> this chapter has it all, and can I just say it is great to be in the mind of this man. Um, I've missed him since the last time we saw him in a television show, and it's just wonderful to be back with Davos. Definitely. I mean, immediately we get jumped into this conundrum, which bears striking resemblance to, I feel, a sacrifice that was made in the TV show recently. <laughs> I mean, even yeah. though we're talking about Edric Storm, who 
I guess was replaced, um, you know, by Gendry in the show. Yeah. We're talking about the sacrifice, meaning death of this bastard who it turns out looks a whole lot like Renly and, uh, and Robert, um, you know, and, and, and this conundrum of what do I do? This woman is seeing these things in these flames. It's been proven, but then again, it hasn't. She keeps promising me that dragons are going to rise from the stone and really, what's one boy against all of the people that will die if I don't sacrifice him? And Davos is like, but he's your kin. This is the the same conundrum that we've just seen Stannis deal with, except, unfortunately, we know the result of that one uh, in the TV show. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of, it really drives home how it's it's kind of the same Stannis. I mean, as you said, Zach, he mentions duty um, and, and how it's his, it may be his duty to to do this because of the realm, because he's supposed to protect the entire realm of man. And we get the same news at the top of the chapter. Our our gracious group yes. of Lannisters received uh, <laughs> last chapter, which is, hello, one of your opponents are dead. And in this case, we can do nothing but congratulate Roller, the Lord of Light. He and his beautiful Roller blades skated across Westeros <laughs> and took out Rob Stark for them. Is the hand of Roller spotted and palsied? This sounds wow, that was terrible. I thought it would be a good Stannis, <laughs> it was good. but it that's uh, pretty good. It sounds Stannis. more like Walter if Stannis Frey's was eighty. It's like the now dead Stannis. Is any gods? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, should have exactly. thrown more. Uh, there you go. There. Be you quiet, woman. You are not at Nightfire now. It's funny that that Stannis <laughs> is the one in this chapter who is so against the religious aspect of this. He oh, really yeah. doesn't believe it at all. He can't handle it. Uh, Salvador's son is telling them about what they're calling the Red Wedding. It is amazing how fast news spreads. Yeah, when you think about the technology and the geography, all of the mm-hmm. both of those things, both of those ease. <laughs> and, the, and the fact that it, news is literally being carried by foul. <laughs> <laughs> Davos is disgusted that this happened at a wedding. He understands that now the phrase are very cursed. He gets guessed right. He understands. He gets it. He's thinking about the leech. And like I said, they're praising the Lord of Light. Axel Florent is all about it, of course. Queen Selyse is just shouting. Melisandre's standing there looking really cool. Just just sitting there like, mm-hmm. And, and, and Stannis can't handle his wife being happy. He can't. She's no. just shouting, no man <laughs> may, may withstand him. And uh, he's, he silences her rudely. This is just, I don't know, like I said, this is a proper chapter with Stannis. We've just seen die, and it does nothing but remind me how happy I am and just like really drive home the, the feeling that I have that it's good to be back into the books. Mm-hmm. And I know, Eric, you pointed out how what happens, uh, or at least what's talked about in this chapter, is, is very similar to what happened at the end of Season 5 with Shireen, but... I mean, even going earlier into the television show, I mean, they do try and replicate a bit of this with Gendry. Mm-hmm. You know, Gendry is really the replacement for Edric Storm. You know, he's brought to Dragonstone. But still what strikes me about this chapter is how similar it is to the, to the previous one and, and that you have a, a very powerful family who's reacting to the news of really the demise of another powerful family. Mm. And I think the reactions in some ways are similar, but in some ways different. I think Davos and Tyrion really kind of react the same way, um, which is interesting. Whereas, you know, maybe like Stannis, I don't really know. I I can't really get into his head. I I feel like he's probably a bit 
pissed about how it all went down, but all the same, he's happy that another traitor um, or another uh, false king has fallen. Um, but I would say that, that this king was probably his best chance at an ally in some capacity, even though I know in this chapter he wants to try and reach out um, to the Greyjoys. Yeah, I, I mean, I think due to the love that Ned and Robert had for each other, and and just that Catelyn um, sided, you know, Rob with, with Renly that, that she was treating with Renly and and trying to get in on the Baratheons. Like, I, I think that I think that you're right. The plan is not yet there on Stannis's end to to go to the north to seize one of it. None of that. None of that is is being talked about yet. Um, and I, I, but I do feel that. Given the love that Ned had for Robert, that the North, well, the Starks first, and then, you know, by way of following suit, the rest of the North would probably bend the knee to to Stannis, um, if he could somehow do it. Stannis here grinding his teeth at the thought of pardoning anyone at all when they've taken up arms sort of against him, or, or at least claimed themselves a king. Uh, the disdain he has for others that don't understand how he is the rightful king is astronomical, mm. and we see that in this chapter. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd like to think that he and Rob would have certainly had had less of a head-butting situation when it comes to this. But again, I think he would be very, very pissed off at Rob for calling himself king of the north. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that 100%, and who knows, he may cut off. A <laughs> part of Rob or may may have may have had some sort of his justice to to dole out either way. But thinking about again letting the 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 most recent show events influence like the things that Stannis that we love Stannis for saying to John that he'd legitimize him that he would yeah. you know the alliance that he tries to forge eventually may have something to do with you know basically the fact that the Starks are a huge powerful family that has just been dealt this huge blow. They're not on top at the moment anymore, but they could be yet again if men like John um, sort of take up their claim and, and, and start to honor that family. And we, we just don't know where half the Starks are that are still alive. So it's, it's, it's a bit hard to say what position the Starks are in now, but, but they have just been dealt this huge blow because their king is dead. And here at Camp Stannis, action is immediately on the table. We're immediately thinking of what it's going to take next to take advantage of the situation. And, of course, yeah. Melisandre says, all right, it's finally time. We've, we've housed him for a while. Shireen has gotten <laughs> to know him quite well. It is time to sacrifice this beautiful, beautiful child with all that delicious king's blood. And Davos, we're in his mind, uh, has a massive problem with that. Solice is cheering at the idea. Uh, Axel, as well, is cheering at that idea. And uh, Stannis is just not quite there yet. He feels like this is just a whole bunch of bullshit because yeah. uh, not all three <laughs> kings are dead, first off. That's perfect when that gets brought up. Right. Only two out of three. Davos brings that up, which, again, good job, Davos. You're doing, you're doing your duty as Hand of the King very well. And he just, I don't know, he just feels like it's just too much. It's just all really juvenile to, to to basically have this group of people sitting around a table that's painted and <laughs> wait is it finger painted what's juvenile about it well no not the table i'm talking about the general Great table situation yeah. that zach was just talking about where you we have these adults who are who are screaming about roller and 
you know, what he is going to be able to provide for Stannis if he sacrifices this bastard of King Robert's that was the result of a fling that he had with one of Solis's cousins the night of Stannis's wedding in Stannis's own bed. Ouch. Knowing that backstory though makes it like five times more awesome. Does that up the the the, the power of the sacrifice? I think it I does. Think so. I think yeah. only we 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 hear it about five times this chapter only death can pay for life. We hear about how innocent the boy himself is. Stannis says it, um Melisandre says it. But we get this line from Solice to, to Stannis and says, Robert and Delena defiled our bed and laid a curse upon our union. This boy is the foul fruit of their fornications. Lift his shadow from my womb and I will bear you many trueborn sons. I know it. She'll say anything. It's just like. <laughs> At this point. Yeah, she will say anything, but I think she believes this guy. It's like she really. Uh, yes. Her and what womb is, what's your... is based on track record, you know, pretty cursed. She's had. A number of uh, ch- children that Still were born not children. brought to term, and you know it's wa- who's to say that it isn't because of Robert and his in his drunkenness uh, doing that terrible thing to <laughs> oh. his brother at uh, the night of his brother's wedding. Stannis explains that Robert said he was so pissed drunk he had he thought he was in someone's guest room. Okay. Yeah, like really, yeah, yeah, but couldn't he even inadvertently have cursed their union by doing that? Because gosh. the wedding is sacred. It's it all goes back to whose gods you worship. It's all back to religion too. I mean, whether or not a curse could exist, whether or not there will be a penalty for killing Edric, that this whole Davos's assertion that killing his own kin is not is not the way to go about this, that that would be some sort of curse rather than a blessing, the way that Melisandre is talking about giving a sacrifice to the red god and only death can pay for life and stuff. It's like, well, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Whose religion are you going to follow here? And because they're they're both sort of opposing. Why do ones. you have to follow one? I, why do you have to follow any? To be honest with you, I well, mean, th- that's that's what to me makes this. And and I'm in no way denouncing any religion here. I'm just no. saying that I think that you know there there are different sides to every religion. And I think here you see somewhat of the the believability factor, right? You you need some tangible proof, and I know it's referenced. Uh, in this chapter, Davos recalls what happened, um, you know, when they were at, was it at Storm's End? Shadow, baby. Yeah. So it's just, he knows that there's something that's magical that's taking place here. Does it have to be religion? I'm I'm not entirely sure. Like, I, I think there's more to Melisandre than just this red god. So uh, I'm I'm left not fully believing in what she's saying that because you know truth is she says if she went to blackwater things would have turned out differently Mm. okay but then why still could you not have helped from wherever you were back on dragonstone right you know like come on you you had to have your ability only works in a certain mile radius like you know what i'm saying like it goes into i think something that we learned in the tv show which is that she is in denial like currently about the fact that Stannis may not be Azor Ahai, you know, and and this is something that was first indicated at Blackwater. I think that was everybody's first indicator. And she is demanding this sacrifice as like a surefire way to bring a victory about. But I think it's if she were to go through with it, if Edric were to be put to death, and I don't know what's going to happen with him because it wasn't in the show. Um, but you know, who's, I think it may be even clearer to her then that, 
um, she's on the wrong team or trying for the wrong person. I, I don't quite know, but I think she, there's a great deal of denial happening with Melisandre mm. right now. There is, but uh, <laughs> leave it to Davos to point out that no man is as cursed as the Kinslayer. Yeah. And uh, I think that that resonates on some level with Stannis because I think Stannis believes in cold, hard facts. And even though there is no sort of tangible proof of somebody being cursed, right? It's just all kind of within the natural progression of how things happen after mm-hmm. a certain event takes place. But I think, you know, he looks onto others that have that have done similar things in the past and there's something about that 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 resonates um with him. This is just a really interesting grouping of people to me who think that, you know, that they can trust in this one source that is going to make everything better for them, you know, that that Joffrey's going to die. Like Queen Selyse believes defiantly that Joffrey's next. He's going to snuff it. And then if he does, <laughs> then, then you'll what? know. <laughs> like then then you will know that that Roller is is the one true god and that you should bow down and and take stock in everything that he asked you to do through the yeah. flames that Melisandre looks into. So to me it, it's all a bit you know, kind of out there, but well, it is out there, Micah, but there are white walkers, you know, <laughs> and just like Davos says or thinks in this chapter, I mean, it's easy for me to, to think all of this is rubbish, but I saw a shadow pull itself out of her thighs. Yeah. You know, See, that's like, what it comes down to. That's why it goes back to religion yeah. because this, these, these are people who've seen shit, <laughs> but, exactly. but what did they see? How much do they know about what they see? When when Stannis looked in the flames, when Melisandre looks in the flames, what does she see? And and Davos himself bets on the reality of Stannis's own visions when he decides what to do with the letter that he gets at the end of the chapter. But it's just like it, it goes back to the fact that religion, these um, insights are uh, number one priority. They They are happening in this world and affecting events. They are, but then there's that one caveat that Stannis just needs dragons, and, yeah. and he'll be fine, and everything will work y- out yeah. at the end of the day. And it's like, yeah, that, but that could be true of anybody, not just Stannis. Like, if you got a dragon on your side, chances are you have a pretty good opportunity yeah. to win whatever battle you're going to go into. Can you imagine how sick our live show would be if we had a dragon? Not even three <laughs> for each of us, but just one of us had a dragon. Just one. We had a guy yeah. named Eamon with the <laughs> That's true. So I'm never going to get over that. That was one of the strangest things that has ever happened. There is a lot of talk of dragons in this chapter. There's a there's an amazing scene when Davos is walking through Dragonstone and he Incredible. notices just how integrated dragons are into literally everything um, that is built on this island. I and I just thought it was it was really well written. This is where I'll ask everyone that's listening to this podcast to take a moment. And forget the Dragonstone that you've met in the television show, where we have endless amounts of praise normally. Uh, I feel like this has been a situation where it, it has fallen painfully short, and I'm sure they have their, their reasons. I, I do like the interior that we see. But that being said, Google uh, or just, just look up uh, or check out A World of Ice and Fire Dragonstone properly and see it for the high fantasy that it truly is, the mind uh, in which George R. R. Martin properly captured it and and, and felt this place, which is a, a, a bastion and, and became such a, a storied location for the Targaryens of old. And uh, take what Davos sees, the, 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 the feeling of the, this great hall 
being the the stomach of a grand dragon and the way you enter it through his mouth and through his throat so cool. and how how the kitchens are coiled dragons themselves and the list goes on like how the how the the claws come out and create like the candelabras and the sconces and the the places for the torches like this is a this is a this is a freaking cool ass place it's amazing just that one chapter or, or sorry that one paragraph just to read it um and and you can imagine in in all this intricate detail what this what this island's castle looks like. It's just, it's really cool. And to think that any one of these dragons uh, could potentially break out of the stone or even come to life as stone uh, would be pretty cool. That's exactly what Uh, they tell him is going to happen. Directly from scripture, it says, he raised his eyes to gaze up at the walls. In place of Merlons, a thousand grotesques and gargoyles looked down on him, each different from all the others. Wyverns, griffins, demons, manticores, minotaurs, basilisks, hellhounds, cockatrices, and a thousand queer creatures sprouted from the castle's battlements. Let me just say that is a ridiculous collection yeah, of that's, of just what are they evil doing creatures. There? What do you know they, what I mean? Yeah. Manticores yeah. and minotaurs and basilisks and hellhounds and cockatrices and, and even queer creatures than those. It's almost like they were frozen in battle. It, it or was it's exactly like that, yeah. I mean keep Professor McGonagall away from <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I've that always castle. wanted to wake them. The towers were dragons hunched above the walls or poised for flight. The windworms seemed to scream defiance while the sea dragon tower gazed serenely out across the waves. Smaller dragons framed the gates. Dragon claws emerged from the walls of grass with torches. Uh, like we said before, great stone wings enfolded the smith and armory. And tails formed arches, bridges, and exterior stairs. Uh, we keep talking about it because it's 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 that cool. So look it up and feast your eyes. And uh, if I were you, I would apply the same grandeur to all of the places that we see. King's Landing... Winterfell, especially everywhere in the East that has such a long history, uh, allow that to sort of influence the way you see it as we go along in the book together, because that's how it is. Mm-hmm. It's like the Iron Throne, right? The the proper Iron Throne. Yeah, how exactly? The massive, twisted... That made, it exists, but how is it made? And I think Davos even talks about how the Valyrian, I mean, he's thinking about it, but the, the Valyrians did not necessarily cut and chisel as common masons did. But it says they worked with stone and fire, with magic as as a potter might work clay. So the dragons could somehow, or the stone that's been shaped to dragons could have been, I don't know, sung into that place. You know, what if they were real dragons, he says? What if they were real dragons that were turned to stone? And that's sort of like the way we see our pyramids, right? The right, exactly. We still don't know formed. how they were built. Lots and lots of people that had no emails to check and they didn't have, you know, uh, <laughs> TV to watch that night. They it. just worked. Yeah. And, and, and turn your phone on airplane mode. You can accomplish anything. George McFly. That's a quote of the century right yeah, there. Love it. But I, I don't know. It's just, it is this question. They they really were pushing, Celise and uh, Melisandre were pushing that Stannis could have almost a flock of dragons if he were to just sacrifice this kid. But then Stannis retorted with, all the Targaryens that preceded him in trying to bring about dragons and miserably failed. So um, I think that uh, we'll have to wait and see if there's any other dragons laying around that could work in his favor. But the second half of this chapter uh, is is something that they, I thought, adapted extremely well in the television series, albeit they did in a very different way. Um, and it really created this 
great relationship uh, between Davos and Shireen and him learning well to read. Very well done. It was re- extremely well done. I think there were some of the, the best moments, some of the moments uh, fans really enjoyed watching. Uh, uh, but Davos uh, is is really in the same league reading. And, and in some cases, I would say, well, I mean, he even points out he's actually behind the the reading level of a lot of the children on on Dragonstone, <laughs> right? It's 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 quite the uh, the grouping. We have Davos's son, we have Edric Storm, and we have Shireen, who are reading all together. learning to read uh, together. Uh, and uh, Davos is is you know he's getting there. He's working hard, and and he sees uh, a lot of great qualities in his own son. I think that uh, you know he wants to aspire to himself. Except his son's a zealot. Well. You know, look, that can – I think Melisandre is enchanting him with her her womanly oh, ways. Yeah. Uh, that heart-shaped face. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one thing that, that stood out to me, and, and again, um, comparing it to the previous chapter, you have Edric Storm, who very much uh, defends Robert. Um, and, I th- and I kind of made the connection to how Joffrey really – uh, you know, in the Robert. same way, huh. defended Robert nice. uh, to to Tywin, and uh, you know they're very different circumstances under which they're talking about Robert. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that you had Joffrey, who's supposedly Robert's son, and you have Edric, who's Robert's bastard, who are in in two consecutive chapters defending him. Um, you know, I I just wonder if Edric's defense of Robert would serve to help or hurt him. Uh, because if he were to defend, because Stannis didn't like Renly or Robert necessarily. I mean, I know they're the kin, but if you're talking about a kid who looks exactly like Renly and Robert, who were always so handsome, who, I mean, it's basically like, it serves as a reminder that he's kin to Stannis, but if you were to get down to it, uh, Renly betrayed Stannis, you know, and actually insulted him and claimed the throne for his own and was a traitor. And Robert never quite allowed Stannis, never quite gave Stannis what he wanted, the proper respect, the proper duty, uh, duties that, that he commanded. And, and so I, I just don't know if, if Stannis were in that room when Edric is talking about it, if that would be a good thing or a bad thing. But for Davos, it, it serves as being, you know, this the, uh, another example of how this kid is raised right or, you know, is basically a good kid. And we sympathize with the polite well-groomed, well-mannered characters. Right? The story riddled with so much decay and dirt. What did you guys think about the the difference in, in Davos when he starts to read this letter that came from the wall? He asks um, Maester Pylos what was done when he first read this, and he said, well, you know, so-and-so was hand at the time, so I went to him, and then we talked to the queen, and... You know, they didn't think to do much with it. The official response is, we don't have enough people to manage our own cause, let alone help out with the wildlings attacking the north. So they swept it under the rug. Yep. And Davos finds out that this letter didn't just come in. This letter's (laughs) been here. And so he's going to make things happen now. He he sees it as an opportunity. And it's it's weird because Pylos, who has spent all of this time teaching him how to read, is going through giving him you know books and <laughs> Davos is just like hand at the king I've got to read letters I've got to 
you know, be able to handle the king's affairs. I don't want to, I don't want no picture book to start off at, you know, he's trying these letters and trying these letters and Pylos just comes across this one. And he's like, Hmm, this should suit our needs. You know, it's like, uh, hang on, sir. You're playing a sort of, you're playing a sort of game. Like what exactly is this? Could Pylos possibly know what's going on? And he's giving this to Davos at exactly the right time for Davos to, to do something about it. It's possible. Everyone here sucks. That new virus. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Seriously. I mean, I realize that we're in dragon. Dragastone, and a lot of things are, are, are happening out of their power, and it's just like, okay, well, let's live the life that we can live now and forget about the uh, circumstances that are far away from us, and they don't have the same sort of transport that we have, so it's not like the threat uh, affects them immediately directly. But this letter clearly states that there has been a king, a king beyond the wall has has happened. That first off, the wildlings now have a king, and a massive army is coming mm-hmm. to Westeros. And how this isn't a problem for someone is beyond me. It's just, it's this isn't a letter about okay, well, there might be some some magical creatures that let's be, let's be afraid of these unknown things that are that are fantasy and that some of us may not believe in this is a letter that's very clearly saying that people are coming to uh, start a war so it's outside of the war that's already happening you would think that you know it would not be a letter that's part of a pile it would you know you would think this would be something that they would know (laughs) about not the guy that's learning how to read sealed cage yet i i I agree i mean it's just well i'm thinking about how it's handled on the show but you know the real threats in the north and everybody's on board and everybody's like oh yeah we got to do this davos apparently you know is gonna try and play this as being the next step and kind of maybe distracting from edric from the the plight there i I don't quite know how it's gonna happen obviously it's gonna happen a little differently but the fact that this was swept in the direction that it was and pylos is revealing it now when davos is like just able to read it is is it couldn't come soon enough you know if stannis knew about this he'd be like what the, this now another thing. Uh, well, something's got to be done about this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I like how Davos makes a connection in his mind with everything else that's going on. What Melisandre has said. What what Stannis has seen, and he knows that he's going to need to say something and 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 try and and get some help for for the Night's Watch. I mean, this is really the first... Has has King's Landing heard anything about what's happened? I can't remember back uh, into the um, the earlier chapters, didn't, but... Um, trying to think. This was way back, even in book one, but didn't didn't they send a severed hand to King's Landing? Again, this is different. Yeah. That That's... that's... A question of okay, this is a reanimated corpse essentially, yeah. but but th- this is a, a letter from the Night's Watch saying uh, there's been an attack on Lord Commander. We fear that he is dead, and we know that the King from Beyond the Wall is coming. And isn't it in this chapter that they uh, doesn't Pylos have a conversation with Davos where like wildlings are wildlings, or was it Solidar sound like wildlings are men? They're just men, you know, sort of giving a lot of weight into the actions of. The wildlings, like this, is a war. This is something that they have to pay attention to. Yeah, Davos was was uh, feeling uh, out his old mission. If you remember, mm. he he dealt with the people that uh, were at the wall at the time, and he dealt with the the punishment that fell to the captain of his ship that traded with the the wildlings. Yeah, it, it, again, just another great tool that is used here to 
have Davos reference the first time he ever went to the wall. Like, it, unfortunately, like you just can't get that in a in a TV series that's jam packed with so many other important things that need to happen. But I mean, to go on that to go on that kind of a journey with with this character who we know has probably been all over. Westeros and Essos, you know, is 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 really cool. Well, that's it too, because he spends most of this chapter feeling like he's not useful, and that's part of the reason why he spends so much time trying to learn how to read. Is he wants to be useful for his king? But we fall back on this letter from the Wall, and he is now instantly able and competent to bring in his experience from when he was there in order to to form a plan. He's going to be able to. Talk about his experiences, which he's already done yeah. in this chapter. And he's certainly more able than Alistair Florent as Hand of the King. Uh, he can literally, mid-conversation, reference the time he spent on the Cobble Cat and go, okay, well, I, I understand the, the, the kind of mind that is inside of the people that sent this letter. Yes. So he can know that there's time to take... Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I literally can't put my thoughts around this because it's 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 almost so ridiculous i wonder why i was put in the story because i don't know what sort of people would read a letter like this and not take it serious or if even <laughs> well, if they didn't take least, it serious right? for it not to be put in a pile that a maester gives to a man who's learning how to read it's like an exercise <laughs> it's got to at least go in the king's inbox right i mean at the very least, it's mentioned to him while he's jogging. Well, Eric, what's the term you use for Salise? Easier than a shithouse rat. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I, I feel like Pylos is the secret master player. He's Varys' brother, <laughs> like younger brother. Well, I don't know if he has the shiny dome of mm. Varys, but it's certainly a very convenient letter to have to be handed and read aloud uh, but hey, look, sometimes things work out that way. So uh, I think that now it leaves Davos in a position to make a decision. Does he go and speak with Stannis about this? Does he stress the importance of helping uh, the Night's Watch? And does he recognize that now the larger fight lies to the north? And how quickly will they set sail uh, to to head up there? Yeah, this is where things start moving. I and mean, it's 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 cool to uh, have started, have begun our dive back into the series at this point in this particular storyline. So high five to uh, reality, really, because <laughs> it's it's cool to see the the beginnings. I know it was interesting to see how it happened in the television show, and it has not disappointed in the story in the slightest. I guess that means it's time for us to give our owns. Ooh. Okay, first book owns in a while. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah. <clears throat> Got to go to Tyrion for the right? Tyrion chapter. Tyrion chapter. Mm. Okay, I'm going to uh, just jump right out there and and give the own to Tywin. <laughs> it's actually Tyrion's internal monologue, but it's just a comment about Tywin that I think a lot of people believe, just from having experienced his character both in book and TV form. It's when uh, Tywin mentions the blood was in him, referring to Amory Lorch. And Tyrion responds, But aren't you, father? There is no blood in Tywin Lannister. <laughs> <laughs> was it a soft pillow that slew Rob Stark? Own to Tywin for having no blood. He's a cold, cold man. I'm going to give an own. I have a really odd, odd own. But it's, what a it's shock. just to... Um, 
No, it's to Tywin for in his conversation with Tyrion, which is is almost uncharacteristically positive. He has trouble with the word that Tyrion uses, plotting. He doesn't like to, it to be said that he yeah. was plotting, which is, I don't know another way of saying it. <laughs> so for Tywin, your weird issue with that word, <laughs> like you I think like it'll it. paint you negatively, but you're a man who's caused yep. so much terrible death. <laughs> who has been plotting. <laughs> who has been pl- Damn it, you have yeah. been plotting. That's exactly yeah. the right word for this. Um, own, own, own to that. My own will go to Peter Baelish for not letting gold sit about and grow dusty. <laughs> for you know, putting gold to good use as he was master of coins, slowly uh, taking down uh, the crown and, and just a small part in his large plan to take over the world as we know it. Oh, you know what? I have an honorary <laughs> own if I could add one in there. Uh, the antler men for escaping their debts. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> well, escaping their debts to his fall to their death right over the wall so, yeah but hey they didn't have to courtesy of what what were they called again the three horse yeah the three horse davos owns for the davos chapter um you know i gave my i believe it was own of the season gosh was it season three own of the season was to shireen for teaching davos to read in this single chapter davos has the will and the effort to sort of Teach himself to read, and that, and that's kind of it's like I'm the hand of the king. I must know how to read. Um, but in particular, to just the class time setting with his own son Devin and uh, Edric Storm and Shireen, and then there's Davos. <laughs> it's like Billy Madison. <laughs> it is. It is just like that. Um, so an own to the 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 reading club, the reading group with with Pylos as as the teacher. It kind of reminds me of that scene in Hook where Hook and Smee. Uh, or Hook gives him uh, an gives Maggie an F. She's like, I got an F, um, but she can read it, so it's an cool. F. I will uh, just as in the last chapter, give my own to Tywin Lannister. Hey, okay, and it is for a, a mention on the part of Stannis on his first time at court, and he's telling the oh, story, and he yes. said, "We agreed afterward that the king had been as noble as the dragons were fearsome. Years later, our father told us that Eris had cut himself on the throne that morning." <laughs> So his hand had taken his place. It was Tywin Lannister yeah. who'd so impressed us. Mm. How emasculating is that to be cut by your own throne? <laughs> well, I mean, it is the Iron. I heard throne. it happens a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty damn. That's pretty damn funny. That Stannis was like, as a child, ooing and aahing over Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, uh, I guess it's my turn. I could give it to Walder Frey for chopping off Rob's head and sewing Grey Wind's head onto him and then nailing the crown. That's crazy. Or for throwing Catelyn's naked body into a river. Also very yeah, why crazy. Why naked? Just... That's terrifying to me. Like, did they do something yeah. untoward to her body? Well, I mean, they at least took the clothes off of it, yeah, so well, there's that. Yeah. I just think that uh, to add insult to all of that injury, uh, these guys have a terrible amount of of karma coming to them. And we haven't seen it yet. Uh, not in the books that I know of that anyone's mentioned, but again, you guys kept things like Jon Snow being killed secret for a very long time. So yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. But in, no, but in the show we haven't, I mean, we mentioned this, like there's been one or two mentions that they still exist in the world. Yeah. Um, but very, no very, very little insight into what actually is going on. But my own's not going to go to that. I just thought that that was worth mentioning that, uh, they took some serious action. My own's going to go to Stannis just for his, uh, 
sharp, sharp tongue and just having he has no fuse for what's happening, mostly for for anything that his wife does. Uh, at one point, <laughs> she she's shouting about no, no men may withstand him and crying about the Lord of Light. And he says, be quiet, woman. You are not at a night fire now. <laughs> Like, essentially, it's, you guys aren't out burning people. Be quiet. Uh, and then uh, at one point, Melisandre says that uh, more more false kings will soon rise to take up the crowns of those who've died. He says, more. And then it says, Stannis looked as though he would gladly have throttled her. <laughs> more usurpers. More traitors. Oh. I just think his, his fuse is so short right now. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. I know that's kind of weird, but... Uh, those uh, those are our owns. High five. We did it. <laughs> High five. I love that we were able to put a call out just a few hours before recording and get uh, some chapter owns from some of our listeners in, which are every bit as astute and every bit as detailed as the ones that we just gave, if not more so. <laughs> I, yeah, think I think they're better. It's time to read our first bag of listener owns for the on season. Let's hear these thoughts from those who have begun to read along. Our good friend, Brienne of Tarth, who is always... Diligent, searching for candles. Love you, Brienne. Yes. But when she's not, she's <laughs> tweeting at us. So, Brienne, keep one eye on the candle, one eye on the mobile device. Good. Uh, she says, Tyrion own goes to Tywin for verbally taking Joff over his knee. Mm-hmm. Davos own goes to Patchface for being a creepy mamajama. Yeah. <laughs> creepy mamajama. I failed to mention that he ran into Patchface on the way to his reading ceremony, and it was haunting. Something about the old fish eating the young fish uh, under, the, under sea. the sea. Under the sea. And then the young fish teach the old known. fish how to read. I know. That was Davos, though. I thought Patchface would have looked at him and been like, hey, that was a good one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> High five. Well, let's just say he's had more success than Melisandre in terms of his uh yes right i mean didn't he he got the red wedding pretty on point mm, from what i remember yeah. mm-hmm. anyway erica erica she says her own goes to tywin for his parenting advice after joffrey's tantrum good it appears things needed to be said mm-hmm. hashtag world's best dad for now yeah there should be there should be a little yeah caveat there for now Riss palazzolo Tyrion, my own for the Tyrion chapter is going to Joffrey for not just getting owned once, but three times. First, by mm-hmm. Tyrion's awesome line, perhaps you should speak more softly to me. Monsters are dangerous beasts, and just now kings seem to be dying like flies. Then shortly after Tywin hits him with the, any man who must <laughs> say I am the king is not a true king at all, quote. And then, of course, sends him to bed with no supper. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Three-parter there. Davos, uh, my own group for the Davos chapter, goes to Melisandre for touching Stannis without him cringing away, unlike his beloved wife. Ouch. All right, and Riss is very excited to get back into the books with us. We are excited. We are equally excited, sir. Um, we heard from Ari Carlson, who says, My teary own goes to Tywin for having been at least 15 chapters ahead of us, and for his line, Any man who must say I am the king is no true king at all. And mm-hmm. Davos' own goes to Meister Pylos because, you know... He's a cool guy, and this might be his only ever chance to get an own. Plus, he practically saved the wall, if you think about it. I guess better late than never, Ari. There you go, Eric. You got somebody who agrees with you. There you go. And, uh, you know, just over on Facebook, uh, another listener scrawled upon our wall. Joe Ludwigson said, in response to our call for owns, Arg, I'm ridiculously elated, joyous, and even chuffed. 
So, Joe, we're glad that you're chuffed. We're chuffed. Here's an email. If you guys are interested in those sorts of things, it's from Christina K. She says, Welcome back to the on season. Glad to have our first glimpse of the Queen of Thorns as Mace Tyrell's wizened little mother. And write back and tell me if it's wizened or wizened, folks, because I uh, don't really use that word very mm. often. But the own goes to Tywin for dealing with Joffrey, the ingrate, by sending him to bed with an unwanted dose of dream wine <laughs> after attempting to offer much-needed guidance. Any man who must say I'm the king is no true king at all. That's popular today. With Davos, we get quite a bit of thought-provoking recently show-relevant material. Man. You'll hear him screaming when she burns him. Two is not three. We must do our duty. The higher a man climbs, the farther he has to fall. <laughs> Davos learning to read. Those are all good, by the way, and I was thinking the same things as I read them. Yeah. Davos learning to read, a long-forgotten raven scroll from the Night's Watch, Maester Pylos's agreement that men are men, and Davos remembering Melisandre's prophetic warning, soon comes the cold and the night that never ends. So those were all of her owns. She goes on to say, but for me, the own goes. Those are just mentions, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't blame her. You can do this I'm in a terrible email. This is allowed. example. <laughs> but for me, the own goes to Salador San for reminding us about the horn he could have had from Claw Isle that would summon the Krakens. Oh, True. A man. horn that can summon any sort of underground or underwater beast, for that matter, is amazing. She goes on to sign it. More magic horns. Cheers, Christina K. More magic horns. Yeah, so thanks to everybody who sent in their owns. Uh, feel free to uh, keep sending them in for Tyrion and Davos, as well as the two chapters that uh, we'll be delving into next week. Uh, there are a number of different ways that uh, you can send in your owns. I think we covered all of them. Uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Facebook, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Noticing a pattern here. Mm. And uh, you can always email us, contact at Game of Owns. Com. Or if you'd like, you can bring them in person to Orlando. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. That would be That'd cool. That would be really like, cool. Just, just have an actual scroll. Parchment only, please. Yes, real parchment. No ruled lined paper. You can get it at Office Not Max. They sell parchment. You know, the next two chapters we will be doing prior to our GeekyCon trip are, in fact, John 7 and Bran 4. Hmm. That's the next one. So John and right. Bran. John okay. and Bran. Get a bit of a North theme. Yeah, and so if you're missing John, ladies and gentlemen, or check out all the sightings he's received yeah. uh, for season six. Yeah. yeah, we hope that you all have appreciate uh, the, the ruckus that, that we've been yeah. kicking up over at Watchers on the Wall uh, with <laughs> beautiful pictures of John visiting Belfast and, and uh, excuse me, Kit Harrington. Let's call people by their real names yeah. here. Uh, and the rumors continue to circulate. Will he return mm. to season six? I'm just shrugging. I'm putting my arms in the air. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just likes to visit the set. Maybe he just likes to hang out with Dollar Set. All right, what's the point? Yep. <laughs> nothing, nothing bad here. And you know, just real quickly, one other way people can get in touch with the show is on iTunes. You know, we've we haven't gone there uh, a lot in the the last couple of episodes, but you know, we've been busy, so. It's all right, yeah. but uh, it is the month of July, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable when you leave a uh, rate and review on iTunes. Leaving a, a review on iTunes is a great way, especially now that we're in the off-season for yes. Game of Thrones, which is our on-season as we go through the rest of A Storm of Swords. It is a great way for others to find <laughs> out, not the others, but just other people. Not them. Uh, we don't, don't, we don't them want others finding out that we exist. <laughs> they will find us. You know, it, it is a great resource, the reviews that you leave for people who may be interested in some uh, content now that... Uh, you know, the TV show is, is off air and um, 
the more you leave, the more uh, people are able to uh, read through and find out whether or not they want to give us a listen. And especially that five-star rating is uh, really important. I won't say why, but just trust us. And, uh, you know, we will uh, we'll get to some of these reviews uh, on our next episode. I know we've been promising that, but we will get to them. Um, and, uh, you know, we look forward to reading them. So head on over there. Leave us your thoughts. We always appreciate the feedback. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And to those of you wondering, what are the plans? What, what has Game of Owns got in store for this on season? How are you going to approach this reading schedule? Will it be a storm of swords from now into oblivion? Come back and return with us next week. I have answers. We'll have thoughts on the matter. I suppose now is a proper time as, as any to throw out another thanks for all of you who have continued to hang out with us in this on season. It was a, a fun time, obviously, closing out season five properly. We do look forward to continuing to read through the books. If this is your first time coming off of our seasonal discussions, getting into the books... Hello and welcome. We're, we're, this is something that we welcome. do. We don't we don't take a nine month break like the show does. We continue. We put on our thinking caps and get <laughs> right down to it, as you've experienced in this. This is the first of many episodes uh, dealing with the book. So plenty of book left. So join us. Join us between live shows and, and the amount of story that we have left. Not to mention the amount of activity that happens inside of this gap between seasons. There is plenty <laughs> ice and fire go around thank you so just sit back relax and tell your father (laughs) i'm here